It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on TalkSport 2. All the action, excitement and drama from across the entire women's game. Nikita Paris is running into the air. It's still Nikita Paris left-footed. World-beating big match conversation on the station that's raising the game for women's football. We're loving it. We're absolutely loving it. It's brilliant. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on TalkSport 2. Hello, hello and welcome to this Women's Football Weekly update. I'm Faker Others and over the next hour we'll be keeping you up to speed with all the latest developments in the women's game. We'll speak to the Shadow Sports Minister, Alison McGovern, who's criticised the FA's decision to cancel the WSL season. You'll hear from Manchester City's head of women's football on that as well. Plus, he'll be discussing their new manager. You can also listen to the thoughts of England women's manager Phil Neville and decide for yourself if he was being disrespectful, saying he's always had his sights set on club football. To discuss all of that and more, I'll be ably assisted by Chelsea's commercial manager Claire Rafferty and Rebecca Myers from the Sun. Day Times. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others. Hi, I'm Gemma Davison from Tottenham Hotspur, and you're listening to the Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Well, that was all a bit of a mouthful, wasn't it? So much to talk about. It's insane. I was almost swallowing my words. So, as I promised you, uh, some very special guests with us all this evening. First of all, I know we promised a special on the Women's Football Pioneers. Don't panic. That is coming next week, but there was way too much going on uh, to ignore it. And as I said, to discuss it all with me, a very good evening to former England Chelsea and West Ham defender Claire Rafferty. How are you? Oh, lovely sunny day. How's everyone doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Not quite so sunny in this studio at the moment. Rebecca Myers <laughs> of the Sunday Times, are you enjoying the sunshine or are you stuck indoors talking to us? I have been enjoying the sunshine, but I'm now back in back inside in, in four walls trying to make sure there's not too much echo and uh, people, dogs barking and things. Ah, yes, home studios, the joy. We're all used to it now, I can't though. promise the dog barking, sorry. Oh. <laughs> Right, so we are all social distancing. I want to just crack straight on with it, though, because there is so much for us to get through. Uh, big story of the week. The Shadow Minister of Sports criticised the FA's decision to cancel the Women's Super League season when the Premier League is set to return on the 17th of June. Alison McGovern's written to FA Chief Executive Mark Bellingham saying that the decision to broadcast Premier League games on terrestrial TV but not women's games is failing to capitalise on the viewing figures the England women's team earned at last summer's World Cup. For more on this, let's speak to the woman herself. Hello, Alison McGovern. Good to have you with us on Women's Football Weekly. Hi there. Uh, What prompted you to write this letter in the first place? Uh, Frustration, crossness. Um, I suppose I have loved to see um, women's football getting the attention and um, adoration, I would say, certainly last year, that it deserves. And... You know, we all understand the financial realities of the game, but I think just moving to cancel the women's um, Super League without a broader plan to say, look, we've got to do this because of this virus, but actually here's a big, broad plan of how we're going to maximise every possible opportunity to get visibility for the women's game, to develop the, the elite side of things, and also... Crucially, here's a big plan for grassroots as well, so that the next generation of um, of young women footballers is, footballers isn't going to lose out. I think, I think, I think if I'd seen a plan like that, I could have swallowed the sort of slightly 
high-handed manner in which in which the league was was cancelled. But you know, we need so much better than this. Is is the point that I'm trying to make? Alison, hi, it's, it's Rebecca here. Um, just wondering. I mean, you know, we're still waiting on decisions as well involving promotion and relegation, the FA Cup, all of these things, and and there has been a bit of a, a silence around a lot of these decisions. I mean, do you think that the you know, the women's game has been treated with respect during this process. Do you feel like respect has been given to it? You know, that is due. I think, I think, well, I wouldn't want to speak on behalf of any, any player or any participant in the game. I know that they, you know, are incredibly proud of, of what they do. But I think as, as a politician, I would say that the women's game needs much more respect than it's getting at the moment, certainly organisationally, including from government, actually. You know, look at the amount of time and effort and media attention that the government have drawn to Project Restart for the Premier League. Has there been anything like that level of um, attention and effort from, from government, never mind the FA, on the women's game? I don't think so. So I think it's my job as 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 a angry politician on behalf of everybody, all the participants, to say, you know what, this is not good enough. We want better than this. Hi, Alison. Thanks for that answer. It's Claire Efty here. Um, Hi. You touched on uh, grassroots there. And, and what plan do you actually think could be put in place to, to support the grassroots? Because I think, as you mentioned, it is equally as important as, you know, the, t- the top level football. Definitely. And this is where I would slightly be, be nice to the FA and, and support what they've done and actually I think their plan to to grow the women's game has been successful Um, I've been a part of it I didn't play football at all I always loved the game but never had the opportunity to play until I was 36 three years ago and managed to join uh, a women's team and you know and we play in, in an FA Inspire league that has had support and that the county FA have put time, time and effort into. So I think that they've, they have done well on that. But the reality is we want to, you know, we want to keep on that journey. And there isn't enough space for women in the community to play football. You know, we've barely got enough football facilities as it is. And we want to build on all of this latent demand that we know that is out there from girls or women or, you know, and older women as well. Walking football is very popular for for women in their 50s, 60s and 70s. So there's so much demand. We actually now need the government to lead a plan to create the proper space, make sure we've got enough coaches and really deliver on, you know, people's ambitions for the grassroots game, which is much, much bigger even than it is now. It's a really complicated issue, isn't it? And a lot of things to to put in place when there's so much going on at the moment. Just in the interest of fairness, the government, you know, did pledge to preserve momentum behind women's sport. Culture Secretary Oliver Dowden saying he was working with the sports minister to make sure progress isn't lost. Uh, In his words, visibility matters and our daughters deserve to see female athletes on the main stage. But I suppose what you're saying is is that's just words and now we need yeah. a bit of action. Those are really good words. Those are the right words. Um, and, and if the government are serious about that, and, you know, even though, you know, the government are not my party and we're the opposition, if they're serious about it, I will help them. Um, what I worry about is just, if we look at what history tells us, it's like we've made progress in the women's game before and then it's been lost. Um, and we know what what a struggle and a battle that even some of this generation of women's footballers have been through to get to the elite level of the game. And so we can't we can't bear to have this virus, you know, cancel out that progress again. And if the government if the government really mean it, then absolutely, you know, we should we should work on a cross party basis to deliver. But I am anxious that we get on with that. Alison, um, Rebecca here, the the FA Cup still hasn't officially been cancelled. I mean, could that be a way of, um, you know, achieving something, still getting it back in the public eye, making sure that there are still matches to be to be enjoyed by fans? Is that something you could potentially get behind? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think we've got to look for every opportunity. I, I don't think, you know, I think that, that, that we ought to be imaginative here. And um, at the end of the day, you know, the virus is is kind of in charge, and whatever we do, we have to be um, put the public health imperative first. So we have to make sure that it's not going to cause any public health issues. But actually, there'll be a lot of scope, I think, for sport to be broadcast 
um, over the summer um, and, and into the early months of the autumn. So I think we should be imaginative and, and work out what is possible. The, the message that I would send, though, is just if we look at all of the attention that the Premier League and Project Restart has had over um, recent you know, over the past couple of months, if we could put that level of effort into finding a way forward for the women's game, I think we might get somewhere, and whether that's using the FA Cup or any other competition. This is Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. You're listening to the thoughts of the Shadow Sports Minister, Alison McGovern, alongside me, Faker Others, Claire Rafferty and Rebecca Myers as well. I just want to draw all of your attention to um, uh, an interview that I did earlier on in the week with the head of women's football at Manchester City. And on that FA Cup point that Rebecca was making, Alison, he suggested um, that actually, bearing in mind the termination of the WSL season, it wouldn't therefore be fair on players to bring them back for this kind of, you know, mini tournament, if you like, because it was a, mm-hmm. an idea that had been touted um, by TalkSport presenter um, Adrian Durham um, mm-hmm. the other week, which which had a lot of um, a, a lot of good momentum behind it as well. But I just want to play you um, a clip that, uh, of him speaking about the end of the season and particularly on that point of opportunities being lost. We've had to take a decision as a as a collective, really, of of what's the in the best interest. I think first and foremost of people's health and safety and their well being. So I, I think it was the right decision. We were disappointed, as as we said, and uh, when we, the decision was announced, we're disappointed because uh, we do feel that we could have gone on and added to our our trophy cabinet, if you like, this season. But we also fully understand the reasons as well. I don't feel like it's necessarily a missed opportunity. I think sometimes. There's obviously bigger things going on in the world, and I do see there's going to be even more opportunity uh, later on, I think, when we do start the season again. Um, whether that be a phased-in approach for fans to get back into stadiums, where you know women's football might be at the forefront of that, we just don't know. There's so many variables at this moment in time that we're just having to take each day as it comes, really. So interesting thoughts there from Gavin Makel, the head of women's football at Manchester City. I mean, could women's football, Alison, in your opinion, um, be at the forefront of, of trying to get fans back into stadium? It, it definitely can. What I worry about is that unless somebody makes a fuss, then all the attention will be on the men's game. And as I was saying before, you know, I, I really respect the athletes involved in in playing women's football and all of those professionals, they need to get on and do their professional job and, and they haven't got time to be, you know, pestering the government and explaining, you know, in quite clear terms how important this is. I see that as my role to to, to bang a massive drum and say, you know, we need the level of um, attention and resource that has been put towards the restart of sport and focusing that on on the women's game and and work out as you know from from the government side and what they know about the virus and what like how we might be able to bring back supporters at some point in the future um, marry that expertise with you know the, with people in the game and what they're um, um, you know, needs for training or whatever. We need to bring all of that together and come up with a plan that everybody can get behind. Because at the moment, it just feels like drift. So, I I hope by the more attention we can draw to this issue, the more focus we'll get it, get on it, and then these opportunities can be properly explored. And you talk about people making a fuss. You're certainly one of those people. In in your words, making making the fuss. What have you heard back from the FA? Um, I'm actually talking to them on Friday. Um, we're, we're having a meeting on Friday. When the issue was first, um, uh, when it first sort of became clear that that, that the league would be uh, avoided and cancelled, um, I, I kind of did get in touch with them and say that I was really quite worried about it. And we're talking further on Friday. Um, and as I say, it's, you know, I don't think it's all doom and gloom. I think the FA have got lots to be proud of. But I think I do think it's my job to be somewhat unreasonable in my demands on behalf of women playing football and and all of the women who and men who love to watch them. Alison, I think first I'll say thank you for actually doing that uh, for us footballers or I'm an ex-footballer now but I think you're right we do need someone kind of directing um, their energy to that I've got so many different questions that I kind of want to ask you but um, we don't have enough time here I think for me the equal broadcasting rights for the women in this could have been a, a really kind of 
a great uh, unprecedented opportunity to drive that step change um, for the prominence of women's football. Do you think that, you know, you could almost present that to them as, you know, back to back, you know, free to air, like they've done in um, overseas in the Bundesliga and stuff like that? Yeah, I think that this is what we've got to look at. Um, I was um, struck today, um, you know, that, that things have been quite different for women in Germany, um, that the Bundesliga has supported um, the, the completion of the game. Some reports saying, you know, supported to the tune of, um, of uh, around $2 million worth of financial support. Um, and I've been struck by by the difference. So I think these are the things we've got to look at. Um, in terms in terms of the broadcasting, you know, we we know that well. If we we know one thing about what's happened with coronavirus is that people are hungry to to be able to watch sport. Um, and I think all of my experience over the past few years has, has said that women's football is a very exciting and brilliant sport to watch. And and I just I cannot believe that we can't do better in terms of maximising the opportunity for people to see women's football on the telly and whatever the mechanism is that we use to do that, whatever the principles or, or whatever, we can discuss that and decide it. But I think the first thing has got to be to make that demand and say, we, you know, we've got to have um, more equality in broadcasting. Alison McGovern, thank you so much for joining us on Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. Shadow Sports Minister there, I hope you'll come back on and let us know how you get on with your conversation uh, with the FA on, on Friday. And we look forward to be. seeing how far your, your quest can go and uh, if things can start progressing for sure. This is Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2 with me, Faker Others. You've been listening to the thoughts of Shadow Sports Minister Alison McGovern along with Sunday Times journalist Rebecca Myers and commercial manager at Chelsea, Claire Rafferty. Uh, by the way, if you've missed any of the show today, do not worry because you can catch up on it on our podcast. I think I remind you every single week that we are now a podcast on Women's Football Weekly. Uh, you can download it on Spotify and Apple products and take us wherever you want. Uh, next, though, find out Manchester City women's big plans for the future. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio. Hi, I'm Georgia Stanway and you're listening to the Women's Football Weekly on TalkSpot 2. 
This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2 with me, Faker Rothers, and I'm joined tonight for your listening pleasure with Claire Rafferty, Partnership Sales Manager at Chelsea and former England defender, and Rebecca Myers, journalist at the Sunday Times. Before we move on to Manchester City, I just want to reflect a little bit on the thoughts of the uh, Shadow Sports Minister, uh, Alison McGovern, there, because she uh, she made some very interesting points. She doesn't mess about, does she? Um, the women's game needs more respect, she said. We need so much better from the FA. She wants to work on a cross-party solution as well. I like the fact that she's not making this a political issue uh, and talking to the FA on Friday. What were your thoughts, Claire? Um, I, I think, you know, quite grateful that she's actually kind of standing up for what's right for women's football. Um, I think she's probably got a huge task on her hands, but I think actually it's about making the noise, as she said. Um, at the last point I touched on then about the equal broadcasting rights is actually something that um, the Lewis board uh, brought up um, about actually broadcasting the elite level women's football alongside the elite level men's football. Um, but obviously, you know, it's been it's been cancelled now, the league. But I think that was an opportunity for them to do so and then to kind of try and bridge that gap. But um, for, for me, actually, I, I do feel like the the FA potentially have shown that they just don't value the, the women's football as much as they, they have made up that they have. That's an interesting thought, Rebecca. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would join Claire in, in saying thanks to Alison, basically, for, for... I know she said, you know, she was banging this drum, but thank, you know, thank God someone is. I think she's just made some brilliant points. I was interested that she said... Um, you know, she she didn't want to make unreasonable demands, or you know, maybe she was as as someone who was banging that drum. But these aren't unreasonable demands. These are perfectly reasonable, you know, requirements. You know, women's football deserves respect. And I, you know, she made a great point in her initial comments about it being banned for so long, and that there's a lot of work to do here. And and thank goodness someone is is standing up for it. Yes, I think there are plenty of people standing up for it. Sorry, I was trying to rapidly put my microphone on then and uh, didn't manage it. <laughs> I was just listening to you two chatting. Um, yeah, I think there are plenty of people certainly banging the drum, but it's, you, you know, you need people in a position of influence to be able to do it and actually, you know, start making some big change. Um, right, let's talk Manchester City now because there has been uh, some domestic news going on as well. Man City have appointed Gareth Taylor as their new manager on a three-year contract. He played for City between 1998 and 2001 and has been managing the men's academy team. He succeeds Nick Cushing, of course, who left his position in February and himself uh, managed the academy team as well. I caught up with him on TalkSport 2 uh, last week and he said he was proud and honoured to be given the job. I feel personally that I'm ready for this moment and um, it's a big step up and it's big responsibility and one that I'm thoroughly looking forward to... Uh, to getting started with and, and really excited about the future. I'm under no illusions. I, I need to be successful. Um, I'm confident that I will be. Um, and I'm going to need everyone's support to do that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a, a lone ship. I'm going to need as much help as I possibly can. And, and I've had that. I've had that in the academy. The successes we've had there has, has been a real team, team effort. Um, as much as I'm at the front of it, I, I don't I don't take light on the amount of work that, that people are putting in on a daily basis in order for us to be successful. And that's a big part of what I'm about is the team, the team ethic. It's a, it's a joint thing. We want to play winning football, but we want to win with style and a, and a bit of class. There's always pressure, I think, you know, when you go into first team football, no matter what the level is. Um, you know, the objectives could be fighting for your life, fighting for survival, um, trying to be successful, winning competitions. Um, I'm, you know, I'm under no illusions, but I enjoy that. I've wanted this next step and this, um, the pressure that comes with it. And um, my job, obviously, is to take that pressure, relieve it all from the players and give them the best possible platform to be successful. So, you know, I had it in my career um, going into big games and um, hopefully I can draw on those experiences in order to help the players. Yeah, of course, the former Wales international as well. Gareth Taylor, the new Manchester City head coach, speaking there. Um, Claire Rafferty, uh, former Chelsea defender, tried and tested method from Man City, promoting from within. They know it works. It, are they just taking too much of a punt that it's going to work again? Um, you know what, I, th I think it has worked and, and they clearly trust in, in their talent and the talent gene that's coming through. Um, and, you know, he has experience working in the academy. 
Um, and I think Man City, from what I can tell, obviously don't know the ins and outs, but I can tell that the you know the ethos and the mentality allows you know these these coaches to come through and flourish. And he and he t- and he touched on there the support that he's had, um, and and that is paramount. You know, it's not it's not just about that one manager. It's about the whole team and the whole backroom staff that come together. So I also think it's really good for the game. You know, uh, the fact that Man City are, are having to re-involve, reinvent themselves. Um, we need this, this league to be as competitive as possible. Yeah, he admitted that he'd consulted with former manager Nick Cushing as well about the role and, and talked of others uh, within the City football group who are supporting him as well. Yeah, I, I mean, Nick Cushion is, is such a legacy, isn't it? And as he, he said a few times there, he's under no illusion that he needs to succeed. And, and he does. And, and I actually really like that because the pressure is on in, in women's football. You know, gone are the days where you can, you know, go 10 seasons without getting the sack if you're not succeeding. Um, and, and I think they, they do need to be winning. Um, I really am interested to see what happens this season with the league standings. But um, I think, yeah, moving forward, it's, it's going to make for a competitive league. Yeah, we'll talk about the league standings in a second because we'll hear more from uh, head of women's football, Gavin Makel. But let's have a listen to, to Gareth Taylor talking about Nick Cushing and other influences that he's had within the City Football Group. I'm actually really good friends with Nick. We've been friends for, for many years. And um, over six years ago, I was actually his line manager. Um, in the academy and um, we've we've been very close for a number of years and he's been uh, a brilliant soundboard for me to use um, in this period and um, there's many many influences I'm I'm an evolving coach I'm certainly uh, I have some fundamental morals or, or kind of things that I really hold dear to me but I certainly feel that if I'm still the same coach in five years time then I will be very disappointed in myself so many influences from really good people within the academy. I'm a big fan of the first team manager. Um, so fortunate to be able to to gain a glimpse of that on occasions and, and get some interactions with him. Um, Rodolfo Burrell, um, who was my head of coaching, who's now working with Pep, uh, and Jason Wilcox. You know, there's some there's some really good people at CFG and um, the the support made to you if you if you go and seek it out is is great and um it will be foolish not to use that rebecca myers from the sunday times what, what do you think of of gareth taylor's appointment and and as he says there he does have a lot of people because he's already been within the structure of manchester city he does have a lot of people to lean on which nick cushing in the past said was very helpful to him yeah he, he does and you know what i'm excited by this appointment i think Obviously, like you said, it is a tried and tested method. You know, it's not super imaginative. It's not going out on a massive limb. But also, you know, Nick has such huge shoes to fill. He was he was so integral to um, the player's identity, I think, that whole club identity. And he'd had such success. And he was clearly such a sort of people person. He was very much a manager who understood each player on a really granular level. Um, and I think in a way, maybe... They need someone to come in who can kind of also do that, who knows Nick really well, who's had extensive conversations with him, who knows the whole kind of club setup. You know, Pep has expressed interest in the women's team before. This isn't the first time he's kind of, um, you know, been involved in some way. And I know Nick has said before that um, he's had the odd bit of advice for him from him. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited by this. I think it could be a really really good move. Like Claire said, it's, you know, gone in the days where he could just try this out for a while and see how good he is. These are the best, this is the best club in, in the country, you know, well, among the best. Um, and people are going to expect results and fans are going to expect results. And he knows that he has to go into next year and essential next season and essentially come out top pretty much immediately that's that's the requirement of the job now if you're if you're Manchester City manager yeah of course the Champions League is still something that they really want to get their hands on uh, for sure in terms of this season you know if it was to end with a weighted points per game um, system then they wouldn't win that would go down to to Chelsea if it's voided it doesn't you know do anything for them um and again head of women's football um Gavin Makel um told us the FA haven't given any kind of time scale as to how the season's going to end and when we'll wait as as long as we need to in, in many respects you know I think everyone will will just move on and and you know whatever the decision lie, lands on it's it's not an easy one um but it's something that's been considered across the game, not just within the WSL, obviously with the EFL and, and other parts of Europe. So, you know, it's it's it's, it's a tough decision, um, 
but you know we'll, we'll see what what happens and we're comfortable with whatever decision is, is going to be made really so comfortable with whatever decision is going to be made um it, it is quite you know magnanimous from a manchester city point of view and, and something you'd probably expect them to come out and say anyway because it just doesn't seem appropriate to be talking about winning a title in in these kind of circumstances uh, for sure but they seem i mean many clubs are kind of coming out with with with, with this but with domestic leagues around the world um it and NWSL clubs returning to training. The Frauen Bundesliga restarted last week. It must be a source of frustration that they couldn't do something, surely. It is frustrating, isn't it? Um, I think I'm quite frustrated by it, especially as you just mentioned. You see, you know, all the other leagues starting starting up again. Um, just far, as far as I'm aware, I think it was down to actually the clubs having to fund the testing themselves. And that was just, you know, that just wasn't going to happen just because of the, the huge financial burden on the clubs and I think a lot of them need trouble to do so um and you know it's it, it is sad that the the the, season, the seasons had to end but as you said you know it's for the best it's, it's difficult to argue against isn't it when when this you know such a serious situation is happening at the moment perhaps what's not as easy to argue against though Rebecca is that an announcement still hasn't been made I mean the shadow sports minister Alison McGovern mentioned that as well you know I know that they have to make exactly the right decision and that is going to take a heck of a lot of time to, to come up with but surely just in the interests of everybody being able to put this to bed they have to come out and say something sh- soon yeah, I, I am finding the wall of silence quite frustrating, I think, particularly as, you know, the Premier League and returning to play dominates all headlines. It feels increasingly like women's football's just being ignored. I know that's not the case. I know there are lots of meetings taking place. I know it's not easy. You know, no one has ever been in this situation before. No one could ever have predicted it. It's a really difficult decision to make and a really complex process. But there's been very little communication. We saw this as well with the women's Euros. It was this sort of you know, afterthought, it felt like this, you know, the men was the men were going to be bumped by a year. So everybody just assumed the women were going to be. And I just, I think sometimes flip that the other way around. Can you actually imagine this happening to the men? <laughs> like, obviously you can't. Obviously you can't. Um, and yeah, and I think it, it, we're increasingly getting to the stage now, especially now that, you know, we waited quite a long time for the leagues to be cancelled with everyone assuming that they were going to be and kind of knowing that they were. And now they have officially, finally, you know, we're waiting even longer to hear about, yeah, like you said, anything that could form a sense of closure for these players and and give them a chance to focus on, you know, channeling their efforts into next season. Mm, Absolutely. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2 with me, Faye Carruthers. You're listening to the thoughts of Sunday Times journalist Rebecca Myers speaking just there and former England West Ham Chelsea defender, now partnership sales uh, manager at Chelsea, Claire Rafferty as well. Uh, Don't forget, Women's Football Weekly is now a podcast so you can download us on Spotify and Apple products and take us wherever you want. Next, though, how do you feel about England manager Phil Neville's latest comments? Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers. Hi, I'm Carly Telford and you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2 with me, Faye Carruthers, and I am socially distancing with former West Ham, Chelsea and England defender Claire Rafferty and Sunday Times journalist uh, Rebecca Myers as well. Now, just before we go into um, some of Lionesses uh, head coach Phil Neville's recent comments that, that he's made, I do just want to discuss a few things left in the WSL that we haven't quite wrapped up yet. Um, and actually, one of these things stems from something that Phil Neville did say uh, the other day because he was the person that, that announced that uh, that Birmingham have applied to put their women's players on furlough following uh, Reading FC's decision to do the same thing at the beginning of this uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Obviously, as we expected... A number of players' contracts coming to an end as well, so we're seeing various announcements. But the ones that I want to discuss with you um, were Liverpool players in particular because a couple of barbed comments coming out of... um, Well, barbed depending on how you look at them. I read them, and if you want to read between the lines, you certainly see some stuff. So... 
here we go, for example, uh, Christy Murray uh, leaving the club. Um, I'm looking forward to the next step in my career and the opportunity to be in an environment that challenges me, both as a person and as a footballer, and most importantly, to be able to enjoy what I love again. Uh, there was another one as well from Courtney Sweetman-Kirk that I had in front of me a second ago and I've now deleted um, really usefully. Um, but that was also pretty interesting. Uh, she seemed to um, highlight the same points as well, that she wasn't perhaps enjoying her football um, at at Liverpool FC and was looking forward to, to, to a change. Um, Claire Rafferty, it's, it's not unknown for players to, to want to move on because they're perhaps not happy. But when it's all coming out of the same club and quite, you know, laced comments um, on social media, do you think there's a problem there? Yes, I definitely do. I think because also, you know, as a player, you do respect the club that you've come from. Um, and for the, for the you know, Murray in particular saying, I'm looking forward to my next step in my career. Um a next step from Liverpool. I mean, that's Liverpool, you know, we, obviously we're not comparing the men's and the women's, but Liverpool as are a club have the p- potential to be, you know, one of the best women's teams in the world with the, with the financial support that they should have. Um, and I just think, yeah, I, I think the culture of, of Liverpool is, is that being represented in the, in the women's team when you're not enjoying your, your football? It, I mean, it's, it can become, you know, it's quite a chore and I'm sure a lot of these girls don't get paid as much as they should be. So if they're not enjoying it, then, you know, they've got every reason to want to move on. Yeah. What, what did you think of those, those comments, Rebecca? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't take a, a a genius to see that those are sort of laced with discontent, in in my opinion, anyway. We've, you know, we've followed this, you know, throughout the whole of the season, and I just don't understand why things aren't getting better at, at Liverpool. I will give a shout out. There was an excellent piece in the Athletic, probably well, a couple of months ago now. Time obviously passing strangely in lockdown, <laughs> but. Um, a really good piece unpicking kind of all the various things that are coming out of there and we are getting a lot of it in dribs and drabs it's quite hard to paint a picture of you know the situation there but but from what I understand it's not a happy camp you know there are a lot of players who obviously now are leaving and, and saying these veiled things um but you know in a way I think Liverpool will escape a true reckoning this season you know they could have been I, I couldn't have seen them really saving their season. There's every chance they would have ended at the at the bottom of the league and been relegated, in which case I think there would have been genuine, proper interest on a, on a big scale, asking lots of questions, especially from their, their core fan base. Um, and I think from men's fans who probably otherwise maybe didn't know so much about um, about the women's team and they would have really had to answer some difficult questions. Whereas obviously now we don't know what's going to happen with relegation, but I can absolutely see it, it not happening. Um in which case, you know, are they kind of spared a reckoning? Are they spared these difficult questions? And do they just go on next season and keep making this this kind of mistake with not enough investment and unhappy players? I don't know. I think it's a really interesting time for them. So hypothetically, no relegation. They're given a stay of execution. Would you see that potentially as them being given that stay of execution, not because of what the club are doing to improve their women's football side, not because of performances on the pitch, but purely because of who they are traditionally. Yeah, I don't think that would be an unfair assumption, no. I mean, obviously, these, like we've said before, these are exceptional circumstances and you can't necessarily project, you know, the decisions you'd make in ordinary circumstances onto this. But that's what it will look like. It will look like Liverpool are being you know, given a second chance because of their name. And I hope they take it. I really do. I hope they surprise us all. And next season, it's it's the club everyone wants to go to. But right now, they're going to struggle to even attract players if, if this is the, these are the kind of statements coming out. Yeah, and that, and that is always the problem. I mean, Birmingham had exactly the same thing when so many players left their, left their squad, didn't they? And then they've struggled as a result. Uh, now, let's look internationally because uh, Lioness's boss, Phil Neville, has revealed he was always planning to spend three years as head coach. He's obviously set to leave his role in charge of the Lionesses at the end of his contract in July 2021. Um, he told Be In Sports, Keys and Gray show the plan was always to work in club football. 
the plan was always to do the three years. I had a World Cup, I had Olympics, which was this summer now, and then there was the Euros in England next summer. That was my three-year stint at uh, international football. I think international football for sort of like a 40 to 41 two-year-old is, is can get quite frustrating. So I thought, you know, get some managerial experience, unbelievable in terms of going to major tournaments, and then cut, cut, cut my teeth sort of like in day-to-day -day running with the energy that I have got. And with, with the coronavirus, it means that there was no, obviously, no Olympic Games, no Euros, which meant mm. that ultimately I had to make the decision early mm. because at this moment in time, we'd be preparing for an Olympics. So my plan was always just to go for the three years and then get into day-to-day running of a, of a club job which would which would be what i wanted to do and uh, it's, been, it's been brilliant i've loved every minute of it but ultimately you don't get to see the players you don't get to impact them every single day which is now what i feel i need to do interesting thoughts there from uh, england manager phil neville um by the way, he was speaking to the Keys and Gray show, which is uh, on Monday to Friday on the Be In Sports YouTube channel. Um, a lot of people have immediately gone straight in to Phil Neville and said, and effectively paraphrased what he said by saying he's he used the head of um, I'll rephrase that used the manager of England women as a stepping stone. How did you read it, Claire Rafferty, as a former England defender? Um, you know what, I think actually having just conversations with a few of our managers um, about international football and, and I think it is easy to read it like that and it can be a little bit frustrating. Um, and obviously he's obviously said this, you know, you know, in retrospect of, you know, he didn't come in saying this, um, which obviously he would get crucified for if he did. But um, I think it is frustrating to be an international manager. You don't get the contact hours. Um, and, you know, we, we've seen Nick Cushion go on to, to men's football. I think you can look at it in both ways. Um, and I don't know which way I'm looking at it, actually, to be honest. I'm not really one to sit on the fence normally, but I, I, I can see the frustration. Um, I'm, I'm not one to I, usually I think, give you know, my opinion, but can I actually interject? Because yeah, when, when, I re when I read it... Um, <laughs> I didn't I wasn't offended by it. I thought, well that's fair enough, isn't it? Mm. Because he kind of gave it gave a context to it in terms of he's not able to develop players on a daily basis because he doesn't see them all the time. And so he's met he's it, it's a stepping stone as it would be for any coach. I, I think the the reason people are annoyed about it or some people are annoyed about it is because it's he he's going from the women's game back to the men's game but actually if you want to say a coach is a coach then you know he's learned a lot yeah. being England women's manager and so I feel as if the criticism is a little bit harsh because all he's saying is that he's learned loads and is really grateful for the opportunity and now he wants to take what he's learned to try and progress more players on a daily basis and you wouldn't expect him to go necessarily it would feel he was going backwards if he went to manage a women's club team yeah, I mean, I think you're right. You're right, actually, there because I think that's why I didn't really know how to take that because actually, he obviously has learned a lot of lessons. Have Have England improved? That's a different discussion. <laughs> we could um, go on forever with that. Yeah, <laughs> um, and yeah, as I say, you know, Nick Kishan kind of made a step to men's football. Why is it any different for Phil Neville? Mm, Rebecca, um, Brighton manager Hope Powell, who obviously was England manager herself, took England to four European Championships. She said she found Neville's comments a little bit disappointing, but that she wasn't surprised by them. Uh, I just want to quote something else she said as well. I think the most important thing going forward is that the next coach is somebody who has experience of the women's game. Does it have to be a female? My preference would be yes. I think it sends a positive message out to other females striving to be coaches in the game and it would be a good role model for future generations. She, I mean, she's right about that undoubtedly, but I, I have said before, um, actually, I think on this show, and I'll say it again, <laughs> I, I don't think it has to be a woman. I think the greatest respect we can give to, well, women's football in this country, our, you know, our England team is to give them the best coach for the job, full stop. Um, and I, I, I think, Phil, I think I'm with you, actually. I think he was kind of not set up, obviously. I don't think he was led into this, but if anyone who's worked with Phil or interviewed him knows he has occasionally, he sort of occasionally sometimes says things that he doesn't quite mean or he hasn't quite explained it well enough. Or they're interpreted actually, differently, yeah. <laughs> or they're interpreted, exactly. And I think, you know, this has just got minefield danger zone. Like he's just gone straight through the red tape around the mines. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, you know, we have such a 
we have such a kind of sore spot in in women's football about anything to do with people coming in and using it as a stepping stone, as well we should. But I don't really think that that's what he was saying here at all. Um, and actually, I don't think it would be a backward step for him to go. I think he would do really well as head of a women's club. I'd love to see him try that. I'd love to see, obviously, the Man City post is, is filled now, but I would have loved to see him go to that job, for example, try his hand there. I think it would be fascinating. Um, and, yeah, I, I'm... Obviously, Hope Powell has done that. She has gone from England to managing a club. Um, so possibly also, you know, it was something that she was surprised to hear him say, you know, in that sense. But I think maybe we're being slightly unfair on him or, you know, the kind of Twitter bandwagon and, and general criticism has been a bit unfair on him because he didn't sit on that show and say, I was always planning to use this as a stepping stone to get into, you know, Chelsea men. Like, he obviously didn't say that and that's... I don't think he would have he would have done that. Um, exactly. The Twitter echo chamber <laughs> responsible yes. for so much. Um, interestingly, the FA are advertising for the England women's head coach role on their website. Either of you uh, planning on uh, putting your CVs in? No, no, no. I don't think I've quite got the it yet. <laughs> you never know. Shall I go for it? I've had quite a lot of time in, in lockdown to think about things. I, I reckon you should, name. Rebecca. <laughs> it would be fantastic. Uh, just, just to wrap up all the international stuff, new dates have been agreed for the postponed Women's Euros qualifiers scheduled for April and June. So they're now going to be taking place uh, from September with the playoffs in April 2021. And obviously the finals in England now the 6th of July to the 31st of July 2022. But it's still being called Euro 2021, which is going to confuse the hell out of all of us. I feel like we're all going to be feeling like it's another leap year or something going on over the next couple of years. Uh, this is Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. You've been listening to the thoughts of Claire Rafferty and Rebecca Myers. Next, we'll bring you a musical interlude. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others. Hi, I'm Jordan Nobbs, and you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talksport 2. We're fighting for our dreams because we just want to play. So we're here to take a stance on disparity in pay because some are working and balling just to make ends meet. But we've been keeping up even with no time to sleep. So don't sleep on us because the time is now. We're good in our own right and the world is seeing how. Saying wow when they're engaging throughout the world stage. Saying it's amazing. Yeah, but we've been trapped in this cage of a double standard wage. But we're breaking out, proving our way. This is Women's Football Weekly here on TalkSport 2. Don't worry, you've not turned over to a commercial radio station. This is TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others. Uh, I'm alongside Claire Rafferty, partnership sales manager at Chelsea and former England defender and Rebecca Myers, journalist at the Sunday Times. And the reason we're playing you something a little bit different there is that today marks the first day of Pride Month in the WSL and Jess King, who's a striker for Lewis FC, has released a rap single, what you've just been listening to now. The track's called Raise Us Up. She's teamed up with Max Meserwave to produce Produce it. Uh, it's aimed, aimed at helping tackle gender equality in football. Uh, the single's out now, by the way, if you do want to download it. Jess joins us as well. Jess, how are you doing and how did this all come about? Hi, I'm doing well, thanks. Um, yeah, basically, um, I got connected with Max and, you know, it was kind of on the back of, of the World Cup and there was, there was a big buzz about it. And, you know, I've been writing for a long time and, um, this is something that I was passionate about and thought, you know, this might be a good thing to, to put out there and, and start talking about in a, in a different way, which is music. So, Yeah, it's really interesting to talk about it in a totally different way because obviously here on Women's Football Weekly, we talk about the equality uh, issue a lot. Um, and yeah. we've obviously talked a lot about what's going on out in the, in the United States as well. But, but totally yeah. to bring it to a different audience is quite key. What, what kind of response have you had? Yeah, you know what, I've, I've been really surprised at, at the, the such a positive response that I've had and you know everyone I think is feeling um, where I'm coming from and, and what I'm trying to do and connect people and you know let other female footballers voices be heard through my song and you know it is a different way of reaching people and hopefully it'll keep it'll keep getting heard and spread around. What, are the, what feedback have you heard from from fellow players? Yeah, I mean, my teammates and a lot of, of other people have been messaging me saying, like, well done, the lyrics are awesome. Um, you know, you, you've put yourself out there and kind of representing us on a larger scale. So, yeah, lots of positive things. Tell all our listeners where they can download it. Yeah, you can download it um, on Spotify and you can 
get it on the Lewis FC website and it will be coming on iTunes, Amazon and Google Play and also the video is on YouTube now. Oh, I look forward to watching that after the show. Thanks for joining us, Jess. Really great to talk to you. All right, take care. Jess King there, Lewis FC striker who's written the track Raise Us Up, aimed to help tackle gender equality uh, in football. Did you like that, ladies? Absolutely loved it. I loved it. (laughs) <laughs> that was brilliant. Yeah, get that on, lads. Loved it. Absolutely. I'm <laughs> going to go and download that uh, myself. Just a couple of other things to kind of tie up as as well. Some positive news coming out of Reading. Uh, the club are announcing they're planning to play more of the women's matches at the Medeski Stadium, where the men's senior team play. Of course, they're currently based at Wickham's Adams Park. Uh, just before we came off air last week, we then also heard that AFC filed a reverse the decision to disband their women's team. Uh, news of a restructure that will keep the women's side going comes four weeks after had said the team would disband because of the coronavirus pandemic. They've appointed joint managers Kim Turner and Danielle Young as well. Um, just finally, Rebecca, um, the Derby Rimmer Foundation, 100k for May. It's all been completed. What are the kind of figures and how are your legs? <laughs> it has. Thank you for asking. Yeah, so I did 200k over bike and running. Um, sore legs, actually, since you ask. Um, yeah, I finished off with a with a sort of ten k on um, on Sunday from the final day, and by that point I was aching. But we raised um, so a group of us women's football journalists we managed to raise over five thousand pounds ourselves, and I think in total well over one hundred and fifty thousand has been raised now, which is absolutely amazing. We're so so chuffed, and yeah, I think it, it's such an awful disease, and I think it really you know, struck a call with people to, to raise money for us. We were really pleased. Absolutely. Well done to you. Um, bra- braver than me. I love the fact that you didn't just do 100k. You doubled it. Why? Obviously. Obviously, Rebecca Myers. <laughs> that was an error in hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was lovely talking to you. Um, Rebecca Myers there, journalist from the Sunday Times. Thanks for being with us. Claire Rafferty, always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, we shall speak to both of you soon, no doubt. Uh, thanks to Claire Rafferty, Rebecca Myers, Shadow Sports Minister Alison McGovern and Lewis FC striker turned rap star Jess King. You have been listening to a Women's Football Weekly update on Talk Sport 2. Thanks so much for being with us. Next week, we will be talking to pioneers of the women's game with England women's record goalscorer Kelly Smith. Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio, Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu dot com code GLOW.